because he can't do the things he wants to do because he doesn't know how to communicate them. Um, and I was watching him. We were doing an assessment online, and, and he, he was started to shout at the computer. Uh, I've no idea what he was saying, uh, so I couldn't reprimand him if it was good or bad, but that was not the point. I could see what the frustration was. So I went on to Google Translate, found the word smile in Ukrainian, and then wrote it on a piece of paper in their different letters, Cyrillic, and, and I just dropped it on the desk in front of him, and his face lit up, and he just relaxed. And, and I'd like us to be able to do that all the time with people, but one thing that I found out about him is he plays cello. Now, clearly, when he left Ukraine, he, he didn't bring a cello with him. It probably wasn't the first thing. If anyone has any connections with anyone who might have a cello for a child, I'd love to bless him and his family, because that, that, it's not an easy choice to make cello, um, but I think it might make a difference in his life. So if anyone has any connections or any knowledge of that, Please speak up. I don't know, I can't promise anything with it, what would happen to it, but, you know, it's those sorts of things that could make a difference to a young man's life. Right. So what does tolerance mean? Or as I put there, do I have to put up with this? Now, first of all, I need to apologise for the size of the text on here. When I checked it out at home and at work, it looked stunning. But like my image at the start, I don't know if you saw my face at the start, you'll be disappointed I don't look like that. Okay, for some reason, they've squashed my head, and, and I don't know. Uh, it seems to have happened to the, my images here as well, so I will read things out if you need to see them. As I drove into the service at, for the 9 o'clock service this morning, I was listening to the news, and uh, good old post office had announced that they have used their extreme weather tool, uh, and that, with the appropriate number of drinks and wearing of a hat, and taking a break occasionally, that the weather will be tolerable on Monday and Tuesday, therefore they should work. Amusingly, afterwards, the reporter said, but what is tolerable for one person is not necessarily tolerable for another. In the news, we've been watching how some of our politicians have been vying for position, but I think the one that struck me most was Sajid Javid when he gave his resignation. And then to find that having heard a preacher, a Christian man speaking, he decided he had to stand up against what was going on and speak out. And showed that actually finally he could not tolerate what was going on. So tolerance is part of our culture, it's part of our speaking. Um, it's a horrible minefield. It's not something I found easy to get my head around because I could say something especially as it's recorded and going out on YouTube, that could bring all sorts of stuff down. So please bear with me. So the definition, what does uh, tolerance mean? Uh, it's the ability or willingness to tolerate the existence or opinions or behavior that one dislikes or disagrees with, e.g. the tolerance of corruption, something we've been familiar with across the world. The second one. Uh, it's the capacity to endure continued subjection to something such as a drug or environmental condition without adverse reaction. And the example for this one, the desert camel shows the greatest tolerance to dehydration, something we might need to bear in mind over the next couple of days. I know my in-laws have just been in Tenerife, and they came back. We're 
it's warm, isn't it? And they're going, oh, can I put a cardi on? So, you know, you become tolerant to what's around you. You become part of it. And finally, the one that I'm more familiar with from my engineering background is an allowable amount of variation of a specified quantity, especially in the dimensions of a machine or part. For example, parts in a car were made to a tolerance of 0.1 millimeters. And if it doesn't work, if the tolerance is out, it all falls apart. When I did work in engineering, we had to calibrate our machines. We had to check them regu regularly. We used levels and theodolites and other measuring machines. One of them, my theodolite, I had to have it checked, and it had to be within so many seconds. And those of you who don't know about angles, there are degrees, there are minutes, and there are seconds. And the seconds are tiny. But over a long distance, they can be a long way out. A long way out. So at appearance, you think, that's, I can't even see that by the, with the naked eye. On a school protractor, you would never see a second, but over a kilometer or two kilometers, you'd see a variance. It would be highly embarrassing if two roads started, or a road started from either end, missed. Or as the, I've, I, I always think of when I was a kid, the, the, the tunnel, the Euro tunnel. You know, I bet they were praying that those two machines, you know, would meet, not sort of, hey, we've gone a long way here. Um, but, uh, you know, the tolerance. But isn't that interesting that we still have to calibrate? We have to know what our tolerance is, what we're willing to accept, what we're willing to let go by. And in different circumstances, it will change. The calibration for a clock will be different for the calibration of the Lego gears for my kids' toys. There has to be an allowance for that. Okay, so... Oh, I was hoping that wouldn't come up all in one go. I'm going to hold off for that one. I'm going to ask you a question. All right? I'm going to ask you a question. Yes, I've been given permission. And I can hear what you're saying, young lady. I did hear you whispering there. I am a teacher, yes. She said, you're such a teacher. But there we go. Uh, be careful, you get pointed out. The question I have for you is when in the Bible is tolerance found? So... Please don't be like my year 10s on a Friday afternoon. I want you to interact with each other and talk and give me some answers. So when in the Bible is tolerance found? Go, have a quick chat. Okay, your time's up. Anyone got anything for me? Anyone got anything? Go on, hands up. Are you all going to be very quiet? Yes. The fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else? Yes, David. Yes, Jesus accepting people as they were when he met them. Yes, any more? God, yes. God being tolerant with the Israelites, very much so. I came up with a few. The first one is from the first passage that we read. The first line says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. The second one I came up with is about Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius sent some people to Peter, and Peter had had a dream about food and stuff, and he, Cornelius was a Gentile. And uh, he suddenly realized 
that as a Jew, they'd been intolerant of Gentiles. We wouldn't be meeting as a church necessarily if Peter hadn't have had that vision. And he went to Cornelius and he preached the gospel and Cornelius as a Gentile was accepted into the Christian faith, which is amazing, which gave us that time. So he had to suspend his intolerance and become tolerant. Jesus was tolerant of Judas because it had a purpose. It had a purpose. He knew he was going to fail him. He knew he was a thief and he would eventually betray him and it would be the physical demise of him. But there was a purpose behind it. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Tolerance and forgiveness can have a connection with each other. And then finally, the woman being stoned. Jesus comes across a group of uh, lawmakers. I can imagine a picture of them weighing up a stone, going, is this one going to do it? Yeah? Yeah? Have I got the stone that's going to finish her off? Yeah, feeling very pleased with themselves. And Jesus just steps in and goes, all right then, you who is without sin, go on, you go first. (laughs) How quickly they dispersed, because they felt very, very awkward at that moment, I would imagine. But it's not that moment that the tolerance happened. The tolerance happened when Jesus, who had every right to condemn her, in the eyes of the law, said, go on your way. Make your life right. He gave her a way out and a way forward. In Romans 15, it goes on about endurance. That means normally long distance, doesn't it? Going the course. And twice it mentions about accepting one another to bring praise to God. And that's so important. What we accept of one another must be of praise to God, be uplifting and be building. What we accept, though, like the cogs or the parts that make up something that intricately works, sometimes we have to change that tolerance depending on who we're dealing with. We have, say, family's children come and share our family time. Their life experiences are very different to what our children are. And what our children can get away with, our two sons, It's not always the same as what one of the, say, family's children might get away with in our eyes. Not that we accept it. We will help guide and and sort of push them in the right direction, but we have to be considerate of what's going on there. And I just picked up, I actually jotted this down when you said it, the children coming to the front here. Jesus accepted the young children. When everyone was going, no, 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 children, go away, be seen and not heard. Uh, And Jesus said, no, bring them forward. Bring them forward. It's great to have that with our children here. Right, next one. When does tolerance end? Now, I understand uh, we can't tolerate child abuse, uh, violence and abuse or neglect of the elderly, murder and all those sorts of things. But when in the Bible, and this is again for you to discuss, when in the Bible was tolerance finished? Did someone say enough's enough? When in the Bible was tolerance enough's enough? Go on then, have a, have a moment. Okay, anyone got anything? Jesus yes. 
Jesus isn't a Pharisee. Thank you. At the back, is that Taz? Yeah. Yeah. Money lenders and cheating. Yeah. Yeah, if they weren't accepted, just don't be tolerant of them, move on. Yeah, any others? When there's a lack of repentance. Okay, we'll come back to that, lack of repentance. That comes into what I've got to say in a bit, so thank you. All right, I picked up one or two. Um, uh, Moses and the calf, golden calf, idol that was made. He lost it, didn't he? He threw his, I was going to say his dummy out of the pram, his more his Ten Commandments on the floor. He really lost it. He realized what had been given and what had, and he just, that's it. And he destroyed things and he, no, we're not putting up with this. We must remove this from our community. Uh, Jesus and Peter, uh, Peter in his blundering ways that he does, Jesus says, you know, this is going to happen, I'm going to die. And uh, no, we can't allow that. I'm like, that's quite a nice thing to say. If I said to you know, some my friend, I say, do you know, I think I'm going to die next week. Oh no, we can't allow that to happen. I'd be, oh, they care. Jesus said, no, get behind me, Satan. You're in the way. God has a plan. You're in the way. Get behind me. He had a purpose, and he wasn't going to allow Peter's thoughts to get in the way, and he wasn't tolerant of those. Jesus and the temple traders, you're right, just kicked off, didn't he, big time, threw the tables over, got angry. And in a second reading, Jezebel, she called herself a prophet, but she was an adulteress. Haven't we met an adulteress already? Jesus, forgiving an adulteress. How come one adulteress on your way, the other one... (laughs) I hate to think what they would sort of alluded to the punishments didn't sound very nice at all. Why? Why is one allowed to go on their way and another one torn to pieces? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She. She was claiming to be a prophet, and she was leading people astray. What I do find interesting is that she'd been given time to repent. She'd been given the same opportunities that previous woman had been given. Now, we don't know what happened to the previous woman. She may or may not have taken the advice. But this Jezebel was not. Sometimes we just have to say enough's enough and stand up. What is quite, I find, uplifting in that passage is at the end it says, those who were good, those who did the right thing, who followed, you won't have to suffer this. It's coming, your, coming their way, but because you followed the righteous path, you're all right. Okay, so we've looked at when does tolerance appear in the Bible. When is it intolerant? How does God tolerate us? How does he put up with you and me? Now, it's probably the easiest one to answer. Because Jesus died on the cross. Full stop. That's how he can put up with you and me. The fact that we can step forward, we give our lives, and then, bang, done. 
That's how God can tolerate us and our behaviours. Our failings and misgivings, the things that we do and in, in, inadvertently say, the actions that we have, we have a God that has sent his son and his gospel covers us with his grace and love. Cornelius had that. Peter goes to his house, preaches the gospel. Bang, done. He's accepted. God tolerates us because he loves us immensely and he has given us a way out. Now I'm sure there are ways and times when that maybe comes to an end. I'm not going to get into things like the unforgivable sins and all that sort of stuff. That causes all sorts of headaches for me. But God tolerates us because he loves us and he sent his son for us. Okay, so what happens in our faith community? Apologies for the uh, English in there. For those of you that are into English, I don't know what I was thinking when I typed that. What happens when in our faith community? I think I meant drop the when, but there we go. What happens in our faith community? What happens, well, what happened when you walked in through the door here for the first time? How did you feel? Okay. You might feel uh, uncomfortable, uh, nervous. Uh, It's a very alien environment if you've not come into it before. But many of the people out and about have no idea what goes on in these four walls. We're a strange bunch of people sitting in rows and listening to a guy at the front. Yeah, give up a nice Sunday morning when we could be, you know, gardening or whatever. I went to a wonderful talk where a guy challenged us with three words, believe, behave, belong. When someone walks into your church, what order do we get them sorted? Do we get them to behave first? Yeah, you can't come in here until you've smartened your act up. Do we get them in here and wait for them to belong? Or do we get them to believe first, because that's the important bit, and then we worry about the behaviour and belonging to the community? So I'm going to get you to, for a moment, to think, what order would you put those three words? The believe, behave, belong? Go. What do you think? Okay, we're back online. Right. What do you think? What do you think? Should we have a vote? It's probably the quick way of doing it. Who thinks that uh, believe has to come first? Okay. So believe coming first. Who thinks uh, behavior should come first? Okay. Uh, who thinks belonging should become first? Okay, so we've got an overwhelming belong comes first. Right, let's go for a second. Who thinks that uh, believe comes second? Okay, that's majority. Or behave comes second. Okay, and then that finally leaves us with uh, behave, doesn't it? No, believe, believe. Yeah, yeah, behave. I've lost track of my own thoughts there. Behave. I think uh, most people have left that for your third choice. It's really interesting. Yes. Exactly what I was going to come to. <laughs> You're right. It's nice. We've got people interacting. It's like being in school. 
except you're not asking me about Pythagoras' theorem. Um, the, the whole believe, behave, belong thing, if you have someone walk through the door, I heard a story of a, a drunken boxer drifting into the back of a church and just expletives and all sorts coming and the odour and everything. And it, You know, do you accept that? That man wanted to be in that faith community. He clearly walked through the door for something. He wanted some help. You've got to try and work with these. If you just help him belong, he'll continue behaving like he is. So there's got to be some help to help him consider how to bless the rest of the community in there. Because if he continues swearing and cussing and all sorts, it's just going to put other people on edge and turn them away. So trying to give them that, that place. And you're right, as the Holy Spirit leads, people will do things in slightly different orders. There have been people I know of who have been in churches for years. They've belonged and they behave behaved the right way. They just still haven't got to the believing bit. Just never got there. Um, difficult, isn't it? Challenging. So there's no real right order to this, but the belief bit really is the key. If there's, they're just turning up, then it's, it's a social club. So it does need to be challenged. There has to be a point where we don't tolerate or accept just that, um, I don't know, I suppose, sort of lack of commitment. My, my um, best mate back home, his grandmother was, she was a formidable force. She was East London, spit and sawdust pub preacher. You didn't mess with her. I'm sure she had a brick in her handbag. <laughs> she was that sort of person. She knew how to look after herself. And she'd just walk up to anyone and go, do you believe? And, you, and I can remember we'd, we'd been at a youth thing and uh, she was there in her 80s, and uh, she just turned to me and went, have you made a commitment yet? I looked at her and went, what? Have you made a commitment yet? And I've been through Sunday school, and as a probably 13, 14-year-old, I thought I knew everything anyway, because I've been to Sunday school, I knew it all. Yeah? And she there and then made that clear statement to me. She wouldn't tolerate my sort of sitting there on the fence, just waiting she challenged me, and there and then, with a sort of cup and saucer, you know the green ones that churches always used to have? <laughs> yeah? She stood there with a cup and saucer in her hand and challenged me. She wasn't going to tolerate my lack of faith of stepping out and doing it. You see, whatever happens, it does say we accept one another. That doesn't mean we accept everything that goes on, because it needs to bring glory to God. It needs to bring glory to God. Just sitting back and going... Well, we'll just tolerate that. We'll put up with that. Well, then can we not become like the second definition that we just get used to it and it becomes part of us as well? Just becomes part of us. We become as tolerant as I am to um, being a southerner as others are to my hate, like my hay fever where I just can't cope. All right? So we do, we need to have that. But that accountability as well. The be, behave, belong, but there has to be accountability. We all have to step up and challenge what's going on and not tolerate things for the sake of tolerance and not upsetting anyone. Where do you sit on all that? Where do you tolerate things? In this nation, we, 
are told to tolerate things, and if we don't tolerate them, people won't be tolerant to us. Yeah, that's almost uh, Donald Rumsfeld, isn't it? Yeah, be tolerant, otherwise people won't be tolerant to you. You know, we've just got to think about what are we willing to accept? When are we waiting? To st- when are we going to stand up for the things that we believe in? And it will be different for each and every one of us as the Holy Spirit guides and leads. But importantly, when people come through this door, these doors or into our community, are we providing a stumbling block and a hurdle because they don't have the right stuff on or they didn't look or speak the right way or they didn't come from quite our community? What are you going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to welcome them with open arms and say, well, if you'll just come to this course for a few weeks. Yeah. Or do you mind going home and getting changed? Or whatever it might be. Or even, I've seen it in some churches where they've gone across to the children, parents of children, say, would you mind, um, can you go out the back and take them into the quiet room and the side? Because we don't really accept children like that. Tough that, isn't it? Where do we accept and who do we accept? Because we're going to see, I hope, more and more people come through the doors because times are tough. When times are tough, the church has to step up. Church has to be seen to be in the right place, doing the right things for the right people. The number seven bus. The number seven bus. Right. No, no. Yeah. We need to think about how we're going to be accountable as to ourselves as well and challenge the behaviours of others in this room. That's a tough one, isn't it? Can you look at someone in the eye and go, I love you, brother, but sister, come on. Yeah, and that's to me as much as it is to anyone because I'm sure, yeah, as I said to my boys the other day, when one had told me about the other one, you know, like kids do, Dad, David did this. Yeah, and I said, before you do that, think about the Bible verse that says, look at, don't, before you look at the speck in the other person's eye, think about logging your own. You know, and we do have to be careful of that, but sometimes we do have to challenge people's behaviours. And how are we going to be accountable? Because when someone first walks through the door about the behave, behave, belong, we're all still accountable to that. We're still all accountable to that. God may have given us a free pass with Jesus, but it doesn't mean we can behave however we wish. So in our communities, we have to be tolerant, but stand up against those things that are not right. In our church, we have to be tolerant of those approaching us for the first time. Again, challenging what's not right. And then within our family here, being very tolerant of each other, like my wife is of my snoring, but challenging me on other things that might not be right. And doing it with the grace and love that God has given us so that when it comes to it, we can stand up and say, we did what was right. Isn't it after the Second World War, someone said the words, something along the lines of... um, uh, It only takes for good people to stand by to let evil rise and and do nothing, you know. We do need to stand up and be accountable. And that's tough. And I don't know the answer to that. I have to do it every day at work as a teacher with kids. How do I work with each and every one of them? 
and each and every one is different. Okay? Right, let's pray together. I'm going to hand over then to Sandra. Father God, we thank you that you tolerate us in such a way that you sent your son to cover us. You sent your son to show us the love and grace and mercy that we need. We pray for those who are satellite around this church who know that something's going on here and we pray that they will walk through the door and feel love, welcome and a belonging. Help us to then show them and share them the gospel so they can step forward and love you as we do. I pray for each and every one of us here as we challenge each other about how we conduct ourselves. May we do it with grace and compassion again, thinking about ourselves as well in the process. I pray your grace and love and mercy and peace on each one of our lives. Amen.